Like Josh said, my name is Adam Iglesias. I am one of the elders, and we will continue our series through James uh, over the summer. So I'll be uh, hitting through all of James 3, so I'll try not to go too, too fast. Uh, but let's go ahead. What we'll do is we'll go through the PowerPoints to kind of give you some context on James like we do every week. Um, so we're going to go through the who, what, where, when, and why. Um, who's James? It, James is the brother of Jesus, also called James the Just, the leader of the Jerusalem church. So that's who we're talking about whenever we're talking about James, Jesus' brother. You know, I, I thought I had some uh, walk in the shadow of a pretty awesome big brother, Matt. Um, James had some, uh, a bigger shadow to, to, to proceed. So, uh, so the who, um, all right, next. The what, uh, James is writing a letter to the Jewish Christian house churches scattered throughout the region. Um, so this is a, a pastoral letter. There was a lot of persecution going on then, and a lot of the house churches were scattering. And so this is James' letters to all of, the, all of them. Next, when? The early to mid-40s, the O-40s. It's the oldest book in the New Testament. So that's the time frame that we're, 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 we're talking about. Next, where? Uh, Ju- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Mediterranean, Asia Minor. M- Minor? Minor. <laughs> <laughs> And Europe. Uh, so we see just the, uh, it's miraculous that the letter scattered to the regions that it did. Uh, next, and, and why? Why did James write this letter? It's to pass to them through difficulty with this message that no matter what's going on, live out your faith. Uh, Josh talked about whenever he introduced James that uh, there's some seemingly, James is just a tough book uh, to, to read and to take on. But whenever we see James' perspective, these are people that he pastored. These are people that he loved, that he was hurting for. And so though it seems direct at times, there's just so much grace in it. Uh, so um, we're going to be continuing night through, uh, to James 3, so you can turn there if you'd like. Uh, a constant theme that James, which won't be any different tonight, is that your, your actions must line up with your beliefs. And there must be some consistency there. And so tonight uh, we're going to be talking about the dangers of the, of the tongue and the, and the solution to that. Uh, whenever I say the tongue, I'm talking about our speech, our words. Uh, not so much, you know, cussing, even though that might be for some people, but I'm talking about the way we talk to each other, uh, the way we talk about people. Um, Pine, Brad Pine did a, a message a couple weeks ago about partiality, treating people differently. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have to do as much convincing as Brad did, uh, because I think to an extent we all know that we st- sometimes struggle with how we talk about people, gossiping, so on and so forth. But I think, though there might not be a lot of convincing, I still think there's a lot of convicting for us tonight. I know as I was working through this, I got hit in the gut quite a few times. Uh, so as I'm talking about the tongue, I don't see there, I think there'll be a lot of pushback on everybody. Uh, and what I mean, mean by pushback is kind of whenever you start hearing something that kind of applies to us and it starts to sting a little bit, we might say, oh, that's, that's not me. You get a little defensive. He's talking about somebody else. That's not me. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of pushback whenever we're talking about the tongue, but maybe on the wisdom part, the solution. Uh, and we'll get to that in a little bit. So go ahead and open up to James 3, um, and I will go ahead and read the passage. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. 
so also the, the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unright- unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staying the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no, ma- no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeliness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works and the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. (sighs) All right. All right, so we see right there, uh, there's some pretty strong language in there. And I I think it was obvious that there was a lot of problems going on with the way the early church, the way they were talking about each other. There's a a problem with with their tongue. And so while I wouldn't say that the tongue is our number one challenge in our our church body, I I still think we can't miss out on a lot of what James has to say about it, because I still think there's some strong stuff he wants to convey to us tonight. Uh, or the Lord wants to convey to us tonight. Um, so let's go ahead and start with verses 1 and 2. Um, right here, James is, James is issuing a warning to teachers. Uh, starting at verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. Okay, so we start with just the obvious right here, that teachers, they use their words a lot. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Whenever I got, uh, found out I was teaching James three, and that was the first uh, verse I read, I'm like, oh gosh, like should I be doing this? But um, I feel like the Lord said, it's okay. Uh, so what uh, w- what James is kind of trying to convey is that teachers use their words a lot. So obviously, the words that they use, they hold a lot of weight. And he's saying he's not he's not trying to discourage people from becoming teachers, but what he's saying is, look, if you're going to become a teacher, you need to make sure first of all you're saved. And second of all, you have correct motives. And second of all, and third of all, you're being responsible with the word. And so, it, because there's a lot of responsibility that comes with preaching out of the word, so it, it's a warning. Uh, looking at verse two, where he says, "For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to uh, to bridle his whole body." So that the, the part on on, uh, on on perfect, he's not necessarily talking about sinless, but he's talking about. A, a maturity in your walk, a maturity in your faith. Because uh, if you look at the, at the tongue, some sins ha- have limits to them because a situation kind of has to present itself. Take lust, take theft, take gluttony. Uh, what, th- there almost has to be a, a situation presented for you to fall into those things. But he's saying the tongue, the tongue has no limits to it because it's always available. Uh, it, you know, it's so natural to criticize or to gossip or to cut down people. They're saying if you can control your tongue, 
you can control the rest of your body. So I thought that was a very interesting, uh, interesting breakdown that I read in one of the commentaries about saying he is a perfect man. Um, so now I'm going to transition uh, to four, or James transitions to, he, he really hits on four points about the power of the tongue. So like Josh always says, if you're a note taker, uh, I'm still not sure how easy it will be to take notes off of what I say, but you'll get those four points down. Uh, so look at the first point about the power of the tongue, is the, the tongue has the power to control. Look at verses 3 through the first part of 5. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. All right, so you, you see the imagery that he uses right there, uh, starting with the horses. Uh, I got permission to kind of give him a hard time. My brother-in-law likes to ride horses. I kind of consider him a cowboy. So he knows more about horses than I do. But, but I'm still going to give it a shot. But you, you look at horses. You can take a 300-pound Olympic weightlifter, just this massive guy, put it on a horse without a bit in his mouth, and it's still virtually impossible to, to tame it, to direct it where you want to go. But then you take an 80-pound girl, you know, very dainty, put, it on, a, put it on a horse with a bit in his mouth, and, and, she's, uh, and she's, she can very easily control where she wants that horse to go. And so I think that that's what James is trying to convey to us, is that though the tongue is such a small part of our body, it, it controls us. You know, going back to the bit, when it comes to horses, the, the bit controls the mouth, which controls the head, which controls the body. And I think the same goes to us as believers, and that to be used by God, the tongue must be controlled, and then everything else follows. Uh, Jesus talks about this. You don't have to turn there, but in Matthew, Matthew 15, 18 through 20, the reason why uh, the, the tongue has such a power to control is because it, it starts with the heart. Everything that comes out of the mouth originates in the heart. And so, uh, Jesse, you can go ahead and throw Matthew 15, uh, verse 18 up there, 18 through 20. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So I forgot to give a little background about that. Um, basically what's going on right there in Matthew is, is Jesus is talking to his disciples, and the, and the Pharisees were kind of giving the really giving them the, the disciples a hard time about not washing their hands before they eat. That was part of the law. You wash your hands before you eat or it defiles you. And Jesus is saying, look, it, it, I'm, it doesn't matter what goes in your body that defiles you. It's what comes out. It's what starts in the heart. And so it, Jesus does what he, he does all the time so beautifully. He, he talks about the heart issues first behind it. And so uh, one of the commentaries I wrote, I mean, I read, I wrote. <laughs> uh, one of the commentaries I read, uh, says that the tongue is the tattletale of the heart. I thought that was pretty awesome. The tongue is the tattletale of the heart. So I, I think whenever we look at all that, uh, the, the tongue has just an amazing or a destructive or whatever power to control, whichever way it's used. Uh, so that's, that's point one. The tongue has the a, has a power to control. Point number two is the, the tongue has the potential to corrupt and destroy. Look at the second part of verse five and verse six. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set am among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. All right, some more strong, strong uh, stuff that, that, that James is talking about. So again, one of the commentaries I was reading talks about fire, and, and, and it was talking about fire has an amazing 
capability to reproduce itself. As long as it's got enough fuel and oxygen, a fire can virtually keep on going and going. I think we see that going on right now in, in Arizona and Colorado, these forest fires that just keep on going on and on, causing so much destruction, all probably started from one single spark or one, you know, one lantern knocked over, something like that. But so fire's got the amazing uh, capacity to re reproduce itself, but most, objects, most other objects don't. You take water, for example. I can knock over a cup of water, and the water can't reproduce itself into a flood. And so I think that's why it's so unique that James used fire right there, because fire, like I said, keeps, keeps going and going. And I, see that, I, see, I, I think we all see that parallel with the tongue, the way we talk about each other, the way we talk to each other. Think about gossip. Think about rumors, uh, slandering each other. Uh, being very cynical of each other. Those things have an ongoing devastating impact. I, I guarantee that if I were to go around this room and ask every person to, to recall a childhood memory of somebody saying something pretty hurtful to, to you, can you remember whenever somebody said something pretty hurtful as a child? I guarantee you very quickly everybody can say, yeah, I remember that and this is what it was. It, 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 it doesn't stop and it's so hard to stop whenever uh, we're talking about the power of the tongue and it's a uh, potential to, to destroy. Um, go, to the, go to look at verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, set on fire, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. The part staining the whole body, uh, I find that pretty interesting in that, in other words, what the fire doesn't destroy, the smoke will ruin. Uh, about five or six months ago, uh, I took a, another insurance test, a property and casualty insurance test. Uh, and there's a section on homeowner's insurance. Now, I, I see some of y'all getting jacked about this part. I mean, it's very exciting. But what I was talking about when I was talking about the homeowner's insurance is all homeowner's insurance has a basic coverage that always includes fire protection. Um, now, what I found was interesting is that every time we talked about, you know, insurance would always cover fire, it also would, re, uh, would cover smoke damage. Because if you think about smoke damage, smoke damage is irreversible. If you get smoke and curtains from a fire, it's not coming out. So the insurance will come in and pay for that. I think that's got a, a unique, uh, and again, I'm, I'm going to draw the line here somewhere, but um, I think that's got a unique parallel to whenever we're talking about the, the words that we use. Because sometimes we use words, whether it be in our marriages or our friendships, that don't, that don't just completely destroy the marriage. And marriage doesn't fall apart because of these words that you use at this particular time, or your friendship still goes on. But does it contaminate it? Will there be bitterness and um, whatever other words are out there? Here comes the vocabulary. Uh, will there be bitterness and just stuff built up inside that marriage that though, though it didn't destroy the marriage, it contaminated it? <laughs> contaminated it. All right. Um, so now, again, I'm not going to make a parallel to the Holy Spirit to insurance because it would become blasphemous real quick. But... Taking the insurance example, insurance has the capability to come and replace those curtains that have the smoke damage. But, you know, insurance, we always say, is something that you don't, you, you buy hoping not to use because it's, it, it can be a pain. And I, I think that's the same here, that the Holy Spirit, it's not exactly the same, so please don't call me out on it. Um, but the Holy Spirit, no doubt, has the, has the power to come in and repair that damage that a lot of times we cause. But why? Uh, why do we keep causing fires? I, I think if... It, if I want to you know, talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and what it's done in my life, I, I want to testify about awesome things, not, man, I, I kept on lighting fires. By the way, I was talking about people when that Holy Spirit came and just, man, it, he really healed. 
Uh, it's, that, that's a great thing, but that's not something like that. I guess why? Why, why do we want to keep starting fires like that? Um, so that's 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 that. That's the that our tongue has the, the potential to corrupt and destroy. So the first point again was has the power to control. The second has the power to corrupt and destroy. Point number three: the tongue has an uncontrollable power. Look at verses seven and eight. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. All right, again, just more strong stuff that James is basically saying that the tongue is innately uncontrollable. By itself, no man can tame it. You know, he uses these animals. You know, we think about these just wild, wild animals. You think about whales jumping through hula hoops. You think about tigers on stage with magicians or snakes doing dances. I mean, these are, these are some, a pretty big deal on the, the feet that man has been able to tame these animals. You think about Noah, Noah's Ark. He was able to get every animal onto a boat without, without major incidents. But James is saying, though those things have happened, a man cannot tame the tongue on his own. That's pretty, pretty strong. Uh, so... You go, moving on to deadly poison. <laughs> oh, man. Someone asked me if I had any jokes. I was like, no, because I'll mess up enough to where I can keep, up, keep it going. Uh, all right, so verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Uh, again, one of the commentaries I was reading talked about the deadly poison. I thought this was pretty unique in that he talked about the most effective poisons are odorless and tasteless. And so, uh, again, it draws an amazing parallel to a lot of times we, uh, we, in our relationships, in our marriage, a lot of times, let's say, you know, you get, in, you get into like a, a verbal battle with one of your friends and you're kind of taking shots at each other. If, if you take, take kind of an obvious shot that's just like, all right, it, you know, that was jacked up. I can't believe you said that. You can kind of recognize it right there and, and, and kind of deal with it. It's still hurtful, but you can kind of recognize it. It's those subtle shots a lot of times that can be the most effective because you can easily defend it. Like, wait, what are you talking about? I didn't mean anything by that. It's those subtle shots, subtle criticism that can be the most effective because they'll linger and they won't be addressed. And I think that's a, a unique parallel to the deadly poison that some of the most effective deadly poisons are odorless, are tasteless. So whenever we're talking about our speech and the way we communicate, it's not always the obvious stuff. It's the subtle stuff that, that hurts as well. You know, I'll go the social media aspect on this. Uh, man, so many fires have been had to, I guess, have, have had to be put out through Facebook and Twitter. You know, obviously, I've done my homework. I don't think they had Facebook and Twitter back then. You know, so we did talk about that. You know, James is talking a lot about the, the way we talk to each other. But this is the 21st century. Where there's so many other ways we can communicate. And you look on Facebook and Twitter through passive aggressiveness, through these subtle things that just cause so much damage. It causes another fire, another fire. And so I think that's, that's another part of that deadly, deadly poison that he's talking about. So that's, that's point number three that the tongue has an uncontrollable power. Moving on to the last point on the power of the tongue, is the, power, the tongue has a power to compromise. Look at verses 9 through 12. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the, likeliness of God, in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. 
So right here, James is continuing to drive home that point that there's got to be consistency in what we say we believe and how we live. Uh, he, you know, he's asking these questions, can a, can a fig tree bear olives? He's asking these ridicu- ridiculous questions that don't even really demand an answer because it's so ridiculous. He's asking the same things about believers, like, should we be blessing and cursing at the same time? It should be just as ridiculous for us to be doing that as it is to assume a fig tree can bear olives. Um, you know, I, I, let's go back. So he talks about, basically right there he's talking about duplicity. And duplicity means double-minded. Don't be double-minded. Don't be double-minded with our speech. You know, God has created us to be simple creatures, simple being single-minded. We were created to worship him, to glorify him, to be edifying with our speech. That's why there caused so much anxiety and everything whenever we're not being who we're created to be. Uh, going back to the fire example, you know, and, and kind of still working on the power to compromise, is that fire can be used for good stuff as well. Uh, fire can be used... To, uh, you know, to warmth or to warm. Um, fire can be used to, to, cook, to cook with, to provide. And so I, I think our words are the same way that words can be used for just amazing things, but they can also be used for devastation. You know, I'll kind of pick on us husbands right now because, you know, a lot of this stuff can be to me. And that, you know, what kind of fires are we producing as husbands with our language to our wives, to our kids? Are they edifying and building up? Or do you just want to be right all the time? No, that's something I you know, struggle with, I, I like to be right. And so is it worth causing a, a force fire? And I, I think that's kind of a gut check that we all have, that, you know, we as husbands need to have because, man, th- these things, it's a big deal the way we talk to our kids. It's a big deal the way we talk to our wives. And, this, and you know, I'm not leaving out everybody else, coworkers, you know, s- school, you know, uh, people that we go to school with. Uh, it, it's everybody. Um, so at this point, we should feel a little beat up, uh, you know, and if we were to stop there, I think our natural reaction would be the behavior modification that we talk about. All right, well, I just need to, to work on fixing those four things so I can be closer to God. And James continues to drive us home, drives on the point that actions are very important, but it's also the belief behind it, the heart behind it. And I think that's why, you know, if I, that's kind of why I had to go through the whole chapter of, uh, the whole third chapter of James, because if I were to stop there, it, it would kind of be open-ended. And so uh, James kind of talks about the solution to that, the solution to the problem of the tongue. And it's not just the problem of the tongue. It's whatever struggles you may have, whether it be impartiality or you know, treating, other, uh, treating people differently or whatever it may be. Uh, but he's saying that this is the solution. So we talked about the, uh, the power of the tongue and how devastating it can be. Now we're going to move on to the solution. What he says is this, it, the solution is wisdom. Uh, one of the definitions that I like that I liked whenever I was looking up stuff on wisdom is properly and effectively applying truth to everyday life. Uh, you know, especially back then, I think even now, you know, a lot of the rabbis were calling themselves wise just because they had so much intellectual knowledge. They were able to debate and argue and all this stuff. But what James is saying is that wisdom is action. Um, you know, we think it's cerebral, but it's, it's applying truth. It's action. So a lot of times people, you know, just, just know a lot of stuff, but they're, they're not applying it. Well, that's not wise. That's foolishness. Uh, so let's, we're going to take a look at two different types of wisdom, and then we're going to close out on, on how to apply this practically with our body. Um, so we're going to look at false wisdom first. And so we're going to skip verse 13. I'm going to come back to it. Let's go to verse 14. Uh, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Alright, so basically what James has done here is he, he, he lists some motives, 
behind giving uh, false wisdom. He gives a description of what it looks like, and he talks about what it causes. So starting with the motives, James mentions two motives given here for giving false, uh, false wisdom, and that's bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Um, basically, that, that fallen human nature that we have to, to just prop ourselves up, to make ourselves number one, um, to kind of resent anybody that gets in our way uh, whenever it comes to our agenda. Um, and so he, he's saying that back then that was probably the, the two pr- primary re- motives for, pu- for a lot of uh, people giving false wisdom. But I'd go a, a step further and, and apply it to where we, probably a lot of us are is, is pride. And what I mean by that, I know that those other two are rooted in pride. But I'm talking about pride from an un, a, a non-abiding life, a life that says, I've got, I don't really need... God. We don't say that consciously, but we're not pursuing the Lord. We're not actively in the Word to see what the Bible has, what wisdom from above looks like. And so I think that could be a third motive is that we just kind of think we're good at life sometimes. I'm in that boat. I'm not, I'm not saying y'all. I'm saying us. Uh, but James uses some strong, strong language to describe what that earthly wisdom looks like. He says it's earthly. When earthly meaning kind of bounds within this this world, what makes sense to man, you know, basically, you know, wisdom that only man can come up with on their own without help from the Lord. Uh, what, um, unspiritual, that basically means fleshly, so that, that part inside of you that brings everything back to self, that, that part about you that, the only thing that matters is just what, you know, how you feel or what makes you feel good or just, you know, it's that selfish part. Uh, and the third is demonic. And that's, ugh, that's, that's scary that the devil's sitting there and he, he's the source of a lot of that, that false wisdom. Uh, I think it kind of goes, you know, when we talk about f- false wisdom, if there's b- false wisdom being given, I think there's a, a, a neat parallel to the sermon that Josh did uh, months ago about sin. When we talk about whenever we struggle with sin, there's, there's, three, there's three forces at work. There's three things kind of going on. And that kind of starts with our flesh, our, our fallen human nature, um, to have, to have, to just do, want to do it on our own. So we have our flesh. Whenever we struggle with sin or struggle with false wisdom, we have our, our flesh. Then we have the world around us. The world that just feeds us lies a lot of times. You know, you turn on the news, turn on pop culture. A lot of what the movies are conveying. The these all, all these um, false, these just lies. Um, so that comes along in age with sin struggles. And then third is the devil. You know, and again. I know I try to veer away from the, you know, I don't like the devil's under every rock type thing, but there's no doubt that there's other forces going on whenever it comes to our struggle. So the, the, the flesh in the world a lot of times can just take care of that. That, that, that takes care of a lot of the, our, our, you know, that, that is responsible for a lot of what we struggle with. And I think the same goes for, for, for false wisdom. And then James goes on right here to, to, to finish up on false wisdom. He describes what it looks like. He says, all right, these are the motives. This is what it looks like. Now this is what the result is. And he says it's this disorder and every vile practice. You know, James was talking about there's a lot of fighting going on. But uh, other translations also talked about unstable and restlessness. Unstable and restlessness. And I think that probably better describes what, you know, not that to say that there, there isn't fighting that goes on within our body. But I think whenever false wisdom is being given, there's so much Unstability, instability. There's so much restlessness that goes on, um, and it's scary. It's 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 uh, it's it's not good, and I'll, I'll I'll get to that in a little bit. But so James says, all right, this is what it doesn't need to look like. This is what it does need to look like, and it's wisdom from above, verses 17 and 18. 
But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness, righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So again, James gives a description of what wisdom from above looks like, and then he gives the result of it. He says it's pure, it's peaceable, and it's not seeking conflict. It's gentle, open to reason. Open to reason means those who have an open, teachable spirit. Again, going back to back then and our idea of wisdom just being intellectual, if you think you're wise, well, it's all intellectual, then you don't, you don't need anybody to tell you what you do because you know it all. That's not true wisdom. True wisdom is those who have an open, teachable spirit. Mercy. Mercy being compassion and action. Again, wisdom having more, a lot of that action um, behind it. Impartial, like Brad talked about last week. Not treating certain groups of people different than others. There's just a consistency there. Uh, sincere. What you see is what you get. So he said, this is what true wisdom looks like. And the result of that is peace and righteousness. Okay, so we look at those two, and I, I, you know, this is kind of, I'll close on the application part of it. But I think there's two things that God really has, us, has for us tonight. Um, and the first one is to do a gut check. Look at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works and the meekness of wisdom. So basically what James is saying right there is, in what ways are you wise? In what ways are you understanding? And, and then look at your life. Again, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of one of those punching the gut gut checks because it's saying, all right, false wisdom, it leads to a disorder, a vile practice, so instability, instability, restlessness. Wisdom from above leads to peace and righteousness. So what, what's your life look like? And I'm not talking about from a circumstantial standpoint. You know, we talk about chaos and restlessness. A lot of times, a lot of us have some crazy stuff going on in our lives. I'm not talking about what your life looked like from a circumstantial standpoint. I'm talking about more of an inner standpoint. Do you constantly have this unrestlessness about you, this discontentment, this, this, this chaos within you? Or is there, even though life's crazy at times, is there still a peace about you, a shalom that Josh talks about, the, the, just, the deep sense that you're taken care of? Uh, so, w- w- you know, do the gut check. In what ways are you wise? In what ways are you understanding it? What, where, you know, what kind of fruits are coming out of the type, the way we're talking? What kind of fruits are there coming out of the way, on, on the wisdom or advice that we're giving people? So that's the first one. What kind of fruit is your life producing? What, you know, what's, um, it's the gut check. So... The second thing I think God has for us is he wants us to recognize his goodness and his grace. We have a creator of the universe that desires to give us wisdom from above. We have the creator of the universe that desires to give us his perspective. How, I mean, that's crazy. That's awesome. That he doesn't, he doesn't have to. He doesn't need to. But he desires to give us that. And I think that's where so much of this grace comes in that James is saying, look, no man can tame the tongue. But Jesus, Jesus can. Only he can do it. That's why I, I think it's crazy. Sometimes people don't think James preaches grace because he's saying, you can't do it. Only God can. I, I think that's awesome. So when we're talking about you know, God desiring to give us that wisdom, I think, I think sometimes we've got that, that desire, but I still think we go about it the wrong way sometimes. And, there, and how I know that is I'll, I'll, I got permission. I picked on Megan, uh, I asked Megan Kelly if I could kind of pick on her a little bit. But the reason I know that we're... We still are getting things out of order a little bit, is because Megan Kelly still has a completely jammed up schedule. And this, this, the hit home isn't the, uh, the point about Megan Kelly's schedule. 
the point hit home is that godly wisdom, it's not an accident that Megan's schedule stays so booked up. It's because she gives godly wisdom. There is something refreshing and pure about godly wisdom. What I'm saying is that God desires to give all, everybody that. I'm not saying, I'm not implying at all that she's the only one. Because that's another part of this, is that there are so many other people in this room that have godly wisdom. They're also, and again, this, this, this makes me uncomfortable to, to say this, but I'm, I'm just going to get it out there. Is that there also have been fires that have been had, had to put out in our, in our body due to wisdom from below, due to earthly wisdom. And that's, that's a tough thing to put out. And I, think, and I think God has a challenge in here for all of us to say, look, this is available to everybody. This is available to everybody. He desires to give us that. Um, so going to Meg, not a bad thing. Going to Meg first, probably not the best thing. Okay, there, so that, that's what I mean by that. You know, so if you're meeting with Meg, I'm not saying don't meet with Meg. Or if you're, you're, if you're meeting with others, uh, that's not a bad thing. It's are you going to the Lord first? I think that's so strong because God wants us to operate that way. Godly wisdom is available to all of us. How beautiful is that, that God desires every one of, the, uh, of us in this room to step up and pursue godly wisdom so that we can all be unified and grow and sharpen each other. I think that's amazing. Um, so, uh, you know... Yeah, I think that's it. Um, so I think that's what God has for us tonight, that in whatever ways you're striving to live out your faith, whether controlling your tongue, partiality towards others, whatever, whatever we're talking about, wisdom from above is the answer, and not wisdom from below, not earthly wisdom. And we have a gracious God that is so generous and so eager to give us that. Um, he's just waiting for us. Yeah. So that's it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and close this out in prayer, and the band can come back up whenever I'm, uh, whenever I'm praying. But uh, this, is, this is the time, we do this a lot, but this is the time where we sit there and process this and say, all right, is this a time for repentance? Is this a time for encouragement? Maybe you have been pursuing, earth, I mean, uh, not earthly wisdom, wisdom from above. That's awesome. Let, let the, just kind of ask the Lord, what do you have for me tonight? You know, nobody's here by accident. We talk about it all the time. We, you know, we'll do two songs. Uh, just let, let this be the time between you and the Lord. Um, so I'll go ahead and close this out. Uh, Father, we love you. I, I think it's uh, tough sometimes to get some of these gut checks, but I, I, I don't think it's by accident, Lord, that uh, you give us these, these tough words sometimes because, Lord, it's just good to do a, an evaluation and saying, look, you might be here, but this is not where I want you to stay. I think that's beautiful that we have a God that cares about us so much um, to, to bring some of these uh, challenges to the surface. So, Lord, I, I pray that we that we seek after you, that we don't automatically go into behavior modification where we're just, all right, what do I need to fix? But that we go to you in the process of fixing those things, Lord. It's both. So, Lord, I, I pray as, as we close out, Lord, that you would just work your, uh, that you would just work on our hearts in whatever specific ways that we need. We love you, Lord, and uh, we just thank you so much for this time. Praise in your name.